women are yearning for this, I want to keep learning. I want to take business advice. I need pragmatic and tactical tips, regardless of what I do in my career. It's not just about, you know, someone walking into the space. It's about all of these other audiences and communities of women that we can work together and collaborate and support one another versus it's just, it's just about luminary members. Luminary. A person who inspires or influences others, a guiding light, an inspiration, a role model, and a leader. This word and this definition have driven a collaboration hub for women to develop, network, and connect. And given its founder and CEO, Kate Luzio, inspiration for its name. Coming up, you'll hear how the name Luminary came to her attention and about the origins of the idea for the business how going to China for a tech company resulted in a high-level banking career, why her global experience catapulted her to opportunities without having a relevant formal education, why one of the biggest changing points in her career was being assigned a buddy to build credibility and as a sounding board, how her ability to build business and work with multiple stakeholders and partners has enabled her to move fast to assemble a formidable team and create a vibrant community within less than a year's time, and why most of her initial team was willing to work for months without pay. This is the Entreprenista Podcast. Presented by Socialfly, it's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I know you've had a long and very, very successful career in finance. How did you get into finance? <laughs> it's a, it's and actually, my background is finance, too. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. So I was a poli-sci major in college. I My father was an FBI agent, so I thought I was going to follow his footsteps, honestly. And when I graduated from University of Maryland, I had done all my internships in political science, some type of government job, and I ended up working for a nonprofit, but it was right in the middle of the original internet boom. And I realized that these companies were hiring. So long story short, I got hired at a, at a tech company, a startup. I ultimately got the opportunity to go to China. When I came back from China, I decided I wanted to go to get my master's degree. I did international relations at Georgetown. And... Ironically, I got recruited by a bank. So I had no finance background, no accounting. I never took a business course. And yet, 2002, I find myself getting recruited by a bank mainly because of my global international experience. Were you working in investment banking? What was the role? I actually went to do corporate development and looking at new international markets to enter for this bank. So it was great because it played on my experience of, yeah. of working and, and, and experiencing what I was doing in China. They loved that. I also spoke Spanish. So one of the new markets they had been looking at was Mexico. So in addition to looking at the new markets that they were they were going to enter, we also got a technical program to enter. So I didn't have those skill sets and so, great, I come into this bank, I was able to get credit training and go through a rotational program, which gave me that technical component while also doing the the research and the due diligence around these new markets. And then not even a year later, I moved to Mexico. Amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, were you scared at the time, you know, being recruited by this bank and not having, you know, all of the experience in finance? Oh, I thought, why are you even talking to me? <laughs> honestly, I, I, I honestly said, well, why would I even be I, I'm not even remotely qualified for this type of position? And and again, it took them kind of convincing me that I was and that they could help me with the technical skill sets and give me that where they loved everything else that I had done and could bring to the table to the to the organization when I got the opportunity to do Mexico because that was my project looking at that new market it was the same why me um and their response was you're the one that's most qualified to do this so get your passport ready you're going how long did you live in Mexico for um I was there for on and off for about 2 years wow. and in that time frame setting up this new we set up a joint venture with a Mexican bank and then shortly after getting that all established, we were acquired by Bank of America, the bank that I had been working for. They decided they did not want to do the joint venture. So I was asked to close everything down. And in the meantime, Bank of America strategically also had done a big sale of a broader, bigger Latin American business. And they asked me to go run that transition. So it was the same sort of, wait, why me? But I had started to build up this reputation of I could build a business, I can kind of um, work with multiple stakeholders and partners. And so they loved that. And one of the greatest things they did, and this is really early on in my career, they gave me a buddy. And what people go, what do you mean they gave you a buddy? I was a vice president at the time. I kind of said, I don't know these lines of business. This is not what I've been doing. And the head of Latin America at the time for Bank of America said to me, the CEO, we're going to give you an, a buddy. And that a means – What does that mean? You can ask him any single thing that you want. Ask him questions. Leverage him. Use him as a guide in getting experience in these different lines of businesses. He can help you versus asking the questions at the table. And honestly – I think that was probably one of the biggest um, changing points in my career because I now had this man who was much more senior than I was, but who was almost acting as if he was not just a, a mentor, but my business partner. And I really leaned on him in that moment. And I think it was a great opportunity for me to just start building my credibility. And I had this sounding board kind of at all times. It sounds like you were given this incredible opportunity to be entrepreneurial at these companies that have been around, I think, for hundreds of years. It's, it sounds like an opportunity that doesn't really exist typically within these these types of companies. You're, you're absolutely right. I think every single role I had in any of the financial institutions that I worked for, for some reason, it was either I was rebuilding a business um, – building a business, closing down a business and restarting that business. And I, I kind of use that every time I was rebuilding teams that these these women and men that were working for me had this great opportunity to be in an entrepreneurial business within such a large company. That doesn't happen a lot. And I think that's what led to me ultimately thinking that I could do this on my own, starting on my own company. And what do you think it was that led all of these banks to be seeking you? This is such a and not and not to say no, that yeah. you didn't deserve it because I'm sure you did, but but to everyone, all the women listening, what can they be doing to really stand out and have this be their scenario too? So I learned from a really young age, right? Never take no for an answer. Just keep going, but really mm. work hard, right? You, it, you, nothing comes easy. You have to work your butt off. And you have to put in the time. And 
I did. I, I mean, I still do, right? I did that throughout mm-hmm. my career. It wasn't like it's, you certain get to certain levels, you just stop working hard. Yeah. It was like every level you got to, you had to work harder. And I think because I had this not a deficiency, but I didn't have the technical background that most of my peers did. It made me work harder and probably try to excel faster. I raised my hand all the time, meaning any project, any opportunity, any new initiative, I wanted to learn. And when those opportunities to take big risks came, I was the one saying, I'll do it to the the international move. So moving to China, moving to Mexico, moving to London, those were and and moving to new banks and different roles. Those were all risks that I ha- I was able to take. My lifestyle afforded that. I wasn't at the time didn't have I don't, I don't have kids, um, so I think for me it was these companies saw someone that worked their butt off that that got it that learned that really dove right in and created an environment around her that was conducive not just just for her but really around building up stakeholders and peers. And I started to really love the people management side. And I got so much out of it. So I wanted to continue to get that experience. And that allowed me to, to raise my hand for even more things. This belief of not taking no for an answer yeah. and not being uh, deterred by a no, where did it come from? So I have two amazing, hardworking parents. My, As I said, my father was an FBI agent. My mom was a teacher. I have a brother on both sides. We were raised ultra competitive, not not amongst yeah. each other, although that does happen, <laughs> uh, but we played sports yeah. and I started playing sports at a very young age. So I think part of it was that instilling around, you just, again, you fall down, you get back up, you brush yourself off, you walk it off. But at the same time, it's not just about you. It's learning to work amongst a team and it's learning how to drive and it's learning that you not only win together, you lose together, right? So don't just sit back really go after what you want. It's the same if you're going after a goal in a soccer game or you're, you know, that A in your class to that next promotion or that next job. And really, both of my parents would always just say, you go after what you want, but you have to work hard to get it. It just doesn't come. Uh, And don't wait for someone to just provide that to you. You've got to push as hard as you can. Did they ever have a challenge with giving you that advice? What happened when they said no to you? <laughs> uh, absolutely. I think like any kid, right, you learn to kind of play off your mom and dad. But they were pretty um, – you know, we grew up in a very sort of middle-class family with great values. And we all had jobs as soon as we could get them. So, you know, absolutely. I think I've learned – in my negotiation style, a lot from negotiating with my father <laughs> when I was younger. Absolutely. Can you think of a specific time that you had to negotiate for Well, my mom him? always would say, um, make the idea seem like his. Okay. So don't just come at him with something that you want. Make him feel like it was his idea. Sorry, Dad. But um, – <laughs> I've used that a lot, especially in the male kind of dominated banking world. It was around, you know, bringing people in and not just making it about you, but bringing them in and making it be much more about them. And you always come to that ultimate same conclusion and might take you a little time to get there. But it does really work when you make it a two-way street versus it's one thing or the other. And then can you think of a time in uh, your finance career where someone said no to you and you were really disappointed? (laughs) Many. Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were definitely opportunities in as I accelerated my career that I probably thought I deserved or wanted to go after and and maybe was given the feedback that, oh, you might not be ready for that. And for the most part, I didn't take that advice. I would just keep going. I think um, absolutely you take the feedback and you accept the feedback and you understand where you need to work on opportunities. But for me, it was about, is this the right time? Or is it the right opportunity? And if things didn't happen the way I wanted them to do, I really firmly believe everything happens for a reason. And I wasn't meant to get that job. There's definitely been times where I felt like, um, there were uh, politics involved, right? And so there's not a lot you can do about that other than speak your mind, stand up right. for yourself, and draw those boundaries. And I I worked in finance too, and it's predominantly uh, a male industry. Yeah. What was that like being one of the few women at the top? So I had a, a great m- – coach slash mentor that once told me, you know, it's lonely at the top. It's even lonelier when you're a woman. But I had a really unbelievable group of male mentors throughout my career, two in particular that I I feel like not just mentor sponsors, um, particularly when I was at JP Morgan, and, and that helped quite a bit. It wasn't until I got to probably the more senior level that I felt that it was lonely and that there weren't as many women. I think I then took that opportunity to start pushing and making the change that I wanted to see around that table. So mentoring, coaching, developing young women and men, but a lot of young women, and then getting as as much as I could involved in the women's initiatives and the diversity and inclusion groups that were around the banks that I worked for and trying to push not just myself, but the others, my peers to go above and beyond to do more for these women that were coming up behind us. It's not just about us and getting to the top. You really have to raise each other up. Um, You know, you get to that level. And even if it's not that, you know, you're already at that senior level, you should be doing that throughout your career. And the male mentors that I had actually really instilled that in me, right? Because I saw them doing that for me and not just for me, for others. Are you still in touch with the people yes. that you mentored? Oh, absolutely. I, I, a number of them are members at Luminary, oh, uh, but a lot of women that because I didn't, I haven't lived in New York for a really long time. I've, you know, I lived in London for seven years and Mexico, and my teams, particularly at J.P. Morgan and at at HSBC, were 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 around the world. So I love to stay in touch. I think that's part of building your network mm-hmm. and 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 continuous networking. And part of that for me is yes, I'm mentoring and and hopefully developing and continue to develop. But for me, that's also, they're mentoring me, right? This whole concept of reverse mentoring Mm -hmm. is big. And um, I learn every day from the women. I had one in today, actually, who's one of my mentees in, uh, who's still in college. And she's looking at what does she want to do in finance? And so just giving her some tips. And sometimes it's not easy to take those tips, right? right? Right. So um, absolutely, still in touch with a lot of them. You reached an incredible point in your career where um, you were still being recruited by other banks when you made the decision to leave. Why did you make that decision to leave? Actually, it was because of a conversation with my mentor, um, one of the mentors that I mentioned. So he has been a mentor of mine for many years, um, over 10 years. I've known him for a really long time. And 
never beat around the bush, was always just – which is what you want out of a mentor, right? Giving you the hard the mm-hmm. hard truths and the hard honesty and, and really poking you. And as I was kind of at this inflection point around moving to another bank and leaving HSBC, he sort of said, what are you going to get out of that? Like what's the opportunity if you move to this next bank and are you going to continue to learn? And I kind of had to step back and say, actually – yeah, I would have to learn a new company and 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 new and navigate that. But he said to me, "I think you should kind of step back and see what you want to make at the out of the rest of your career. You didn't start out as a banker. You never started your career thinking you were going to be a banker. So do something. Why don't you do something different?" And no one had really ever said that after almost twenty years. You just get you get that you're in your job. And I loved what I did. I didn't not like it. Um, I loved. I actually was really passionate about what of what I did. But um, after that conversation, we re- reconvened a few weeks later, and, and he still pressed me. And he said, what's the worst that can happen? You can always go back. Take the passion that you have for women and developing and coaching. You spend every single moment doing that. You have your free time. Make something out of it. And so I did. That was literally – I mean it's, it's, it wasn't like this aha moment. I didn't know that I was going to build Luminary at that time. But he was sort of that moment where I said, I can, you know what, I can do this. I can take a step back, see what else is out there. And if it doesn't work, I have built these tremendous skills, these transferable skill sets that I can go back. I have a great reputation. And two months later, I wrote the business plan for Luminary. So I didn't really give myself that much time. But I felt like this was a real opportunity for an idea that, that had not existed yet. Coming up, creating and building Luminary, and a surprise. You now have the business plan. What year is this? This is last year, March of 2018. Oh my goodness, you moved really, really fast. Yes. Did you quit your job immediately, or you had already... uh, No, no, I quit my job, and so that I I made the decision to, to kind of exit sort of like take this time and say, I'm done with banking. That would have been January, February. And then I was like this, oh shit, what did I just do? I had started me with other companies, recruiters, and they all really just wanted to put me back in the banking box, which is another whole conversation. But in March, I came home from another, yet another woman's event, all very good, and said, there's got to be a better way to do this for women to really develop themselves, connect across industries. And didn't know I was writing a business plan when I started writing. I actually had a conversation with my boyfriend. He was traveling and he said, you're going a million miles a minute. (laughs) Write it all down. And a week later, I had a 50 plus page business plan for Luminary and we opened in the end of November. So very accelerated time frame. Uh, so you wrote this business <laughs> plan. Did you self-fund it? Raise I self-funded. Money? Yes. So part of a having a 20 plus year career and saving a lot of my bank bonuses and, and having a sex, successful career, I think allowed me to make that decision. Can I do this on my own? I, I think there was that component that I financially could do it at least for a certain part of, of the of the development of the business. But the other part was really around if I wanted to make this a place that I would go to and that I thought my network of women would go to, I didn't want to have people telling me what I could and couldn't do. 
and who the woman that I was trying to serve. I wanted to build a space that women could go to, again, regardless of age, industry, or background, and at the same time, a community where they felt they could thrive and give their input, and I could make changes and pivot as needed. And the final part was I really wanted to do this fast. And so if I had to go out and raise money or even start, it would have decelerated what I wanted to do and my time frame. And as most people that know me, when I make my mind up, I'm just going to do it. And so that's what we did. What was the first step? Finding the space? Actually, the well, I wrote the business plan and then I spent a ton of time doing what I would call focus groups, Okay, and, and kind of organically talking to women. Again, anyone that I knew, I would walk up to people on the street. Would this be somewhere you would go? Obviously, knew I did a ton of market research in my business plan around all the other women's spaces that were open and that were opening. I reached out to a number of them, met with them. I flew out to Minneapolis. Uh, I flew out to San Francisco, to LA. I did a lot of sort of, again, research. And then in May, I started probably it was May, looking for space. And I June, I found the space. We signed the lease in July. We started gutting and demo in August and then opened 11,000 of the 15,000 square feet at the end of November. Yeah, I've been to the space. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And our roof deck will open Ooh. in May. And so that will be a whole uh, additional 4,000 square feet with is uh, an amazing rooftop looking at the Empire State Building that's glass enclosed. So we have a retractable roof and it's a bar. So during the day, it'll be extra workspace. And then at night, it'll be a bar for our members and their guests and private event space, of course. Very cool. Um, you haven't even been open for a year, but what have been some of the challenges that you faced? So... We did a soft launch in November. So January was our first real operating month. So it's been less than three months of like real operational. You know, it's really interesting. I When I did the original business plan, and it hasn't changed, it was really focused around this professional woman, this corporate woman that wasn't getting out of their company what they need, that wanted to expand their networks and wanted to continue to develop themselves and invest themselves. What I've now found is when I look at our audience of members and who's utilizing the space, it's one third of that is that sort of corporate woman that's probably never going to be an entrepreneur or a freelancer or leave their job. The other third is, free, is this female founder, entrepreneur. And this other kind of third is the pivoter, the side hustler, the contractor, the I'm reentering the workforce after taking 15 years off and trying to figure out what my next step is. And there's a small portion of that are the 20 plus year olds that are coming out of college saying, I can't rely on my peers for advice. I don't want to just ask for to my mom. So I would love to learn how to network with more, more senior women, even if they're five years older. So that's been an interesting to see how the audience has changed from what I originally sort of had targeted. I always wanted to focus on that professional woman, regardless of their age or background or industry. And then the other component is I built in sort of later in that business plan that if I really wanted to move the needle in some of these companies and if we want to change the numbers at the top so to push more women into senior roles – you have to focus on the companies too. And so we don't just work with individuals at a membership level. We work with companies. So we have many companies now that have corporate memberships. That's great. As they look to reinvest in their women in a different way. 
Uh, and how are you finding the the people that you ultimately want to sign up for memberships? How it's, are they finding you? The, all organic. So I think, uh, and you've participated at one of our events. Yes, yes. Um, Founders Day was amazing. The Female Founders Day. So that all geared towards our female founder community, partnering with Female Founder Collective and Rebecca Minkoff and Jenny Bett. Um, you know, the 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 benefit and the differentiator of Luminary is the programming and content, right? So it's, yes, there's a social space. Yes, there's the co-working. Yes, we have a fitness studio and a beauty bar and free wine on tap, which doesn't hurt, right? But it's the programming content. And I think women are yearning for this. I want to keep learning. I want to take business advice. I need pragmatic and tactical tips, regardless of what I do in my career. And so we're getting that word of mouth. The companies, obviously, that we're supporting, the collaborations that we're doing, like Female Founder Collective, we have a great partnership with M.M. LaFleur, really targeted at that same kind of woman. Um, Elevate, we're partnered with. We we have a partnership with Six Degrees Society, Ladies Get Paid. So it's not just about, you know, someone walking into the space. It's about all of these other audiences and communities of women that we can work together and collaborate and support one another versus it's just it's just about luminary members. I remember so before I started Social Fly or I should say while I was starting Social Fly I was working at American Express and they had I think it was called the Women's Network or yes. something along those yeah. lines and they would bring in um you know Ariana Huffington founders of you know w- women founders of all of these companies yeah. And then they would, you know, let all the AMX employees sign up and go. Um, and I signed up for every single one. Right. I was always <laughs> so excited. I was always so empowered when I left. So this makes a lot of sense to me Yeah. Uh, because I always looked forward to that. And I, and I remember, you know, if I had to describe my time in American Express, like that is what I remember, remember. And, and appreciated about yeah. AMX. And it inspired me to ultimately start my own company, right. which and I know they were – they gave you access yes. to someone you – might not have had access to, or at least to hear. And I think for the companies that we work with, it's very similar. So many companies have women's groups, these employee resource groups. And a lot of that is the larger companies, right? Because they have some infrastructure, they have the resources. But then if you think of the sort of midsize and smaller, they're all trying to attract women and retain women. So how do you do that in a better way? And kind of take some of that off their plate where they give their women the option. So it's not just, I want to go see Ariana Huffington, who would be amazing. Or I just get this opportunity to do this one program or course. But imagine saying, I can give you access to all of these workshops and programs. You pick what you want to take part in. And we're taking some of that infrastructure, some of that work that a lot of that comes out of volunteers and these resource groups and these companies that are just super passionate about bringing this to their women. And so we're almost an extension of these women's groups in a much broader and bigger capacity and promoting this idea of cross-pollination amongst all women, not just at an American Express or at a Deloitte or at a social fly, bringing everyone together so we can all learn from one another. You've accomplished a lot in such a short amount of time. How big is your team now? Who's helping you? <laughs> I have an amazing <laughs> team. Lot to do uh, n- nothing can can happen without my team. So it's a huge space to run, and it was a yeah. it's a big. Um, so we have seven full time staff. I have a COO. I have a head of program development and learning, um, PR, 
digital. I have an amazing community director that really runs and brings together our community. And then we have our community management staff, which are part-time that work the space, that take care of the space and our members. And they are like the unsung heroes when you look at this. And they're really what what makes the space work. And we'll continue to hire as we continue to bring on more members and bring on more programs and partners. But you know, three months in to have a size, you know, yeah. 12 to 15 people, it's pretty large. Who did you hire first? My COO. How did you find her, him? Her, her, <laughs> all her, um, all hers um, for now. But, uh, you know, every single person that's on the team now, other than the community managers, were all referrals from someone else. So it was not, you know, me going on uh, Indeed or Glassdoor and finding someone or someone finding us. Erica Lerner, who's our COO, is a phenomenal lawyer. That She's a lawyer by trade. She had worked at um, a number of firms in Deloitte and then decided she wanted to be an entrepreneur. She started her own um, Extend Bar studio down in Tribeca. I was looking for fitness partners because I wanted a fitness studio. Mm-hmm. We meet over juice – and of course, <laughs> she's and she's telling me all about her this this bar and how amazing and I loved what she had done and I loved her corporate background as well. A few days later, she called me or emailed or texted and said, "I really want to be involved." And I said, "Great, you know, we'll put you on the list as one of our partners." And she said, "No, I want to work for you. I want to be involved. This is such mission driven. I I've missed even though I had this great corporate life and then left it. I want to marry them up in some way." I'm still entrepreneurial, but I want to work for someone and I want to work for somewhere that has looking to make real impact for women. And so a week later, she had a PowerPoint as a, as you know, this in finance as a former banker, a PowerPoint. I was like, this is music to my ears. And uh, she laid out what her responsibilities would be. And that was our first hire. What, what month was this? So technically, that would have been June, and she is amazing because she gave up all of her time for nothing, and we didn't start paying any of our staff until really we brought them all on in September. So she just jumped right in and became – she's such – she's so much more than our COO. She – you know, our whole team is a family, but if I look at those first few months, the risk she took – and just kind of signing on with me and not really knowing what she was going to get. Mm-hmm. She had no idea my work style, which is very different than what she had been used to. And she's just amazing. And and I would say that for all the staff. They, you know, I hired bankers for most of my career. Hiring all these other different type of staff, I didn't know what I was doing, right? So leaning on other people to bring in those resources. And that's why I say all of our our full-time staff have come in through referrals and people making connections, which is what women do so well. And are you, I guess, tag teaming, you know, who manages who? Is there a specific structure in place yet? Yes. So she, Erica, manages – so she's way more than the COO. She's the (laughs) CFO. She's the CAO. She manages all of the community staff. So – and then I have everything else. I have the marketing. I have the digital. I have the program development um, and our events. So we also have an events manager that does, again, phenomenal events manager. She came out of corporate America and and decided that she was going to start her own thing. One thing that I would say is every single person that is on the team has another side hustle. So, and I want that. I want them to succeed, whether it's that luminary or that other role. And I think that's such a part of the community that we're building because you can have more than one thing in your life. And so 
our community director, runs her own platform for Latinas. It's an e-commerce site. It's community. It's content. Um, and so um, our events director has her own now events company. She prioritizes us if she's listening. Um, <laughs> and and uh, our head of program development and learning came from NYU, and she's still a professor there. So I want that, right? It shows also the people in our community that can do so much, and they can do way more than they think they can do. How did you come up with the name? So – as I was thinking about, you know, I had hundreds of names. And long story short, a guy that I did not know, he was a former colleague of mine at J.P. Morgan, sent me an email on LinkedIn and said, I don't know what you're doing because you're, you haven't updated your LinkedIn lately. But I just want to let you know you don't know me, but you were always such a luminary. And I honestly had to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it meant light and 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 luminous and... um. As I looked up the definition, and it meant role model, influencer, you know, heroine, um, all of these amazing words, I thought that's the community that I want to build of those women. Mm -hmm. And that was it. I started then finding if I could get the website and how do I trademark that? You can't trademark Luminary. Forget that. But yeah. um, but that was how it all happened. And I sent him an email back and said, by the way, you're the reason we were named this company. <laughs> so thank you. That was an inspiration to me. It's such an incredible name. I was on the website and you have the definition right there. And I think immediately by defining it, you just attract those people. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's amazing. Once you've decided that you wanted to call your company Luminary, how did that impact all of your future decisions? So when you think about the definition, right? And I think when when we think about, and you talked a little bit about it before, when you think about, it's always this aspirational way. Right? I want to look at a role model as as someone I can aspire to be, or that influencer, or someone that's that that you can look up to. I took it the other way. I took it that yes, we can have that, but that all of these women that we want to help and serve can be those in their own right, regardless again of what they do, what they look like what stage of career they're in. So let's build a community of peers versus you're a senior woman, you're a millennial woman, you're a Gen Z. I don't like those labels. I think we as women particularly get labeled way too much for many reasons. And so that whole idea of luminary was that we were building this community of peers that were already role models that were already influencers, whether they thought that or not. And I think that's built into all of the programming, our speaker series, our office hours programming, um, all of our workshops, it's bringing in those women. And that the fact that we're a member-supported community, which means we want to help all of these women succeed, whether they're in a corporate job or they have their own business. How are we helping one another to not just be inspired, but to inspire others. And so that's, in my view, that's what Luminary is. Yes, your mission definitely deserves uh, a celebration. <laughs> so something that Stephanie and I like to do is uh, a surprise and delight with our audience. It's also something that we recommend our clients do with their um, with their followers on social media. So we actually have a gift for you Amazing. in your Entrepreneurista swag bag. Feel free to open okay. it up and take a look. I love a swag bag. <laughs> Oh, this is amazing. Okay, mood boost. I since I have bronchitis, I absolutely need this. Um and it's been a long couple of weeks. Uh but we 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 got you something um 
something else. So okay. look in the is it the white? Yeah, the white the the little uh, wrapped thing the in the back. So yeah, am I that. opening yes. this? Yes. Okay. I love our entrepreneurista stickers. I Always do. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is amazing. The so, yes, best. We got you some female empowerment prints to put in your uh, office. The best man for the job is a woman. <laughs> and females are strong as hell. Absolutely. And women rule everything around me. Unbelievable. This is so awesome. I love it. This good, is gonna, good. This is not going to go in my office. This is going to go throughout the space. Oh, perfect. Because we want everyone to see it. All the women. And by the way, you know, we don't exclude men from the space. I will say that is something I definitely appreciate about your space because um, if I were to be working out of there, I have meetings with men and women. So Absolutely. And I think it makes it's it easier. It's important for men to see yes. that, right? Yes. We have to bring them along on the journey and that we're equals. And again, back to that, we're not going to change all of this gender pay issue and, and the, just the equality gap in general if we don't work together. And so that's really and again, having worked with men for many, many years and a lot of them being my supporters, it's really important to me that we keep them in the dialogue and at the table with us. I 100% agree. I love these. These are amazing. I'm very excited. <laughs> Up next, empowerment and the era of women, plus a brainstorm. common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, it's going to be an exciting 2019, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurspodcast.com. Obviously, you know, I, I'm super supportive of, of your mission to, you know, empower other women. We're, we're trying to do that as well yeah. through our podcast and through um, what we uh, choose to support at Socialfly. But in a world where uh, gender inequality is a huge issue and we want to bring men along for, um, I guess, the ride in terms of letting them know that, you know, we should work together to, um, to, to really make the change. Sometimes I feel like with messages like the best man for the job is a woman, it actually alienates the men. What are your thoughts on that? So well, I think we can't take ourselves so seriously yeah. all the time, right? <laughs> uh, I, you know, you look at back when we were growing up, at least when I was growing up, it was I was the only girl on the soccer team mm -hmm. um, and, and there were all the cracks that were made about that, right? So, but if we keep, we are in such a interesting environment, right? Politically correct, yes. take that aside. Yeah. I think the men that are going to support us are going to support us. I think if those men that are not, 
it's going to take a longer time to bring them along on the journey. But I think it's equally as important for women to understand that, right? That we can't keep pushing them away yeah, and excluding them from the conversation because we're just doing to them what's been happening to us for exactly. hundreds of years, right? So let's flip the script and let's say let's do this. You know, I always use the hashtag in this together, come, hashtag come sit at our table. That's our tagline because you want everyone at the table. And listen, we're in this amazing I call it the era of the woman. Yes, right, one hundred percent. It is not the year; it's the era, and but we have to, we have to work together. And and I think tongue in cheek, like a lot of these things, um, the best man for the job is a woman. I think it's great. You know, my boyfriend would say, absolutely, you should be in these jobs. Right? It's been too long that we've been making less money. It's been mm-hmm. too long that we haven't had those seats. But we're not going to get there alone. Right, right. And we need them working with us. So I think if you bring them into the conversation and you make it about all of us versus, yeah, here's my sign, right? I, I use this as a, a funny joke, but um, this is true. So when I was at one of my last banks, I was talking about it – was, it was around Women's History Month and I was talking about International Women's Day. And I said, oh, we're going to have this great event and we have this wonderful women's group. And, and the guy who is very – he's a great guy and he, he didn't mean it. And he said, oh, well, when, when are we going to have a guys group? And I said, you have it. You live it every day. Like, yeah. what, what do you mean? And it was – it was, but it wasn't – there was no maliciousness right. around either what we were saying. And he sort of kind of stepped back and said, yeah, you're right. So I think if we – Stop taking yourself so seriously all the time, but really work together. I think we can actually create real change. I think companies have to start doing more, especially at the management level, to really make sure that there's a diverse slate of candidates. That's not just men and women. That's people of color in general um, to actually make that change while not alienating others. Agreed, agreed. And, you know, oftentimes while I'm at these uh, women empowerment summits or groups, you know, you hear a lot of women talking about, you know, all of the other women who have influenced their lives. And that's certainly true in my case, too. But I don't hear and you said it a lot Mm -hmm. uh, as we spoke, but I don't always hear a lot of women talk about the men that have helped them, the influential men in their life. And I think, you know, as we move forward in this really amazing movement of women supporting women and and bringing bringing, um, light to gender inequality, we should start talking, I think, about how we can all work together, help each other, um, and inspire each other. You know, use both examples. When I was starting the, when I decided to start the company, in particular around I left my great job in banking and then I decided to self-fund. There's there's two kind of it's it's really interesting. Throughout my whole career I had this great amazing support for men, right? And and that that they are a huge reason why I had all these opportunities. When I decided to quit outside of really my mentor and a few close friends, it was like, "Wait, what are you doing, the yeah. men? Why would you do this? You're giving up this amazing career and this huge salary, all of that great stuff." The women that I would talk to would be like, that's unbelievable. That's so inspiring. Oh, my gosh, you're taking this huge risk. And then when I would tell the self-funding, the women would be like, oh, my God, that's so unbelievable. That's so amazing. And the guys would be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You're taking too much risk. And so it's really interesting as I've, I've, I've transitioned out of that world into this world, 
I still have these amazing male supporters. And there are so many men that have come out and said, I love what you're doing, have purchased memberships for their daughters and their nieces and their and their wives. But the amount of women that I've now been exposed to and and have this not just my members, but just women like you and Stephanie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just I would never have met you yeah. in my real life, right? In my right. old real life. Now it's this huge new world of women and men. But more importantly, right now, I just feel like I have ninety percent of the women that I meet are how can I help? Yes, yes. Who can I introduce you to? What can I do to support you? And that's just unbelievable because I never really had that in my former life. And that's something that Stephanie and I always say was one of the most surprising things about starting a business is how many other people want to help you and are willing to help you and, you know, this this community that exists within New York City and also other cities yes. too, but particularly in New York City, you know, all of the women that you mentioned earlier as we were speaking, I know all of them through these communities right. and they're all willing to help. Everyone wants to help and support each other and lift each other up. And it's it's really, really an incredible time. You feel like you can do and accomplish anything. Anything. And I think if you, again, build that right support system around you, and that's both men and women, you can accomplish so much. And I think the other thing is not being afraid to fail. Yes. Because we put so much, and I do it, we do it every day, especially as entrepreneurs. But you put so much weight on it, right? It's like the whole weight of the world's on your shoulders. You've got to make this business succeed. And if you look at when you had a little bit of a safety net, I did, you know, in a bank, you had to obviously perform and and do well, but there was always that safety net behind you, right? You're going to land on your feet. And I think I have to take some of that. And when I listen to other women, particularly female founders, I always say we need to create like a female founder support group but it's already happening. Oh yeah. Because you can call upon any of these women that I've met and say, "Oh my god, it's one of those roller coaster the down times and some days it's the up times." And I think leaning on each other is we do that in our friend groups, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's less so in business, but I think now with this huge re- just energy of women starting their own companies and wanting to collaborate You've got this whole I'm going to lean on you mentality that is so inspiring and really, I think, will help so many more businesses succeed because you have that. And something that you just spoke about, about, you know, you're a lot of people fear failing and that's why they don't start. And something that I've learned over the years is to embrace it, um, to just expect it actually, and then just move forward and, 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 and learn from it and, and just move fast. But in your time starting this business, has anything just not gone your way? Have you, where, where have the failures been or the mistakes or the? Oh, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) I, I did not know anything about commercial real estate. Right. Or construction. Oh, yeah. We had some some learning there too this past year. (laughs) So (laughs) learning that, right? And and I don't even know that. I'm not an expert, but just how to deal with, you know, contractors and architects and the hidden costs and what can come up. I mean, we don't have an elevator right now because we're extending it to the fifth floor. I thought that would be done in two months and it's been six, right? So things like that. And you just have to deal with it, right? Um, And I, I said this in banking. I say this now. I'm not a doctor. I'm not saving a life. So things happen and you just deal with it. I think it's how you deal with it. And I think part of that is having this team around you. Mm -hmm. So that softens the blows in some ways. Um, 
you know, talk about pivoting, making sure you, you get so wedded to your idea because you're so passionate about it, making sure that your mind is open, that you can pivot and you can be open to feedback and other ideas so that if you have to change things around, you know, we had never contemplated opening up a bar upstairs. It was just going to be workspace. And then it was like, wait a second, why wouldn't we offer this? But that's another immense cost that comes with that. So I then had to, you know, kind of soul search, bank search um, in my financials and say, can I do this? And how's that going to work? So definitely, you know, people ask me all the time, oh, you've probably never looked back, right, since you've started this. I look back every day. It's hard. It's it's a hard thing to start your own company, but it's so rewarding in that you're doing it on your own terms. And again, you can always go back. So fearing fearing failure is a good thing because every mistake you make, you learn, right? And you have to learn from those in order to grow and continue to challenge yourself and get better. What do you think it'll take for you to consider yourself a luminary? <laughs> I think you are, but uh, you know, I'm, I my mom always tells me you need to you need to take compliments better and 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 recognize what you're doing is is actually making a difference in people's lives. You know, listen, I I I do feel like I'm influencing and uh, in, in a small way, and if I can do that, just even on a micro level, if if a member each day tells me they're getting something out of what they're the experience they're having at Luminary, that's where I see. I wouldn't call myself a luminary. I would call that each day a little bit more of a success. And a lot of times we we look at the revenue and the money as what's making us a success. And I look at a completely different around, am I making a difference in the lives of the women that we support? And so if I can see that happen every day, then at some point in my life, I'll think I'm I'm that luminary. But for me, it's the women around me are are the the luminaries and why I built the space and all of the women that step into that space for whatever reason and choose to lead a workshop or speak um, or or just participate in some way that's that's where I I look and see who are the luminaries around me. Well, having been to the space, I can say that there's definitely an incredible energy at the space. And when I happened to go on Female Founders Day, so there was a lot of motivational uh, and inspiring women there. But you leave feeling so inspired and so, so, so motivated. What would you say is next for Luminary in the next year, three, five years? So we're really focused on building this, the, the community here in New York. My intention is to to continue to focus on that it's you know back to why i didn't take money or why i didn't raise was i'm not building this to scale and sell it i'm building this to create a community hopefully that expands beyond new york but in the absence of doing that right now what we've been doing and what i've been doing is collaborating with other spaces around the united states so we have a reciprocal partnership in with the coven in Minneapolis, mm. where our members and their members can use each other's spaces when we're in the cities, um, wow. the assembly in San Francisco, the Emory in Miami. And so um, focusing on the community, focusing on the members that we have today, growing that and really making a difference in what they're there for. And hopefully, you know, that becomes a, a much 
bigger community, not just here in New York, but much broader than that. And something we like to do on the show is a brainstorm with our guests. Where okay. We'll put 60 seconds on the clock. <laughs> you can uh, bring up any topic and we'll brainstorm together, you know, how, I don't know, it's just some ideas. So is there anything in particular that you're, you're you know, currently challenged with that you would want to brainstorm or something that you're looking forward to that you want some additional uh, thoughts on? Yeah, I would love that. So one of the things that constantly comes up, and again, it doesn't matter who the member is, is this idea of personal branding and how you continue to develop. Is that a bad thing? Um, I think in the corporate world, it's seen as not as a great thing because you're promoting yourself. Yes. You're in this amazing world of one, yes, you've got this podcast and um, and social fly, but, and you're helping develop brands and tell their story. So just ideas on how we better communicate, not just a brand that we're selling, because ultimately in anything that you do, you're selling yourself. Exactly. So personal brand, we'll put 60 seconds on the clock. Personal branding is definitely very important, especially for a female founded business, uh, because you can use your personal story to really tell the story of the business and because there is such a, you know, movement of, you know, women supporting women, women are genuinely interested in the people behind the brand, uh, more so than the, the pictures of, of what's going on in there. They want to connect with the people. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so great about social media is that, that with social media, you can build those personal connections through, you know, DMing, uh, following. Yeah. Um, so I would recommend that you do build your personal yeah. brand. And I'm sure with this question, yes. it is something that is on your mind. Uh, but I can also tell you, having done it for myself and still trying to figure out how to do it for myself, it's uncomfortable. Right. It's very, very uncomfortable. I think, you know, if Stephanie was here, she'll she'll share that too but I also think she does an excellent job of very, being very vulnerable on on social media mm -hmm. because she's sharing her well, she's authentic. her story she's super super authentic um and you you really just also have to do what's right for you and what's comfortable for you but practice makes perfect yeah. and you just got to start putting yourself out there, talking on Instagram stories, making an Instagram story every day. Yeah. And then over time, it'll just become second nature to you. But I can tell you for me personally, and I know we're over 60 seconds right now, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Still, like doing an Instagram story yeah. and talking to the camera is super uncomfortable for yeah. me. Um, yeah. But you've got to figure out you ways to do make it, it, make it right? your own and, yeah. and do what is comfortable yeah. for you. It's great advice. Yeah. We can use that for all of our members. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneurista? So one is, you know, back to the definition area of luminary is showing others that you can do it, right? Becoming a, that role model, but leveraging, connecting, leaning on all these amazing entrepreneuristas around you. Right. And we're doing that today. Right. Yes. I, I th that's the way I met you guys from another entrepreneurista that introduced me to Socialfly and, and certainly to you and Stephanie. So I think that's it's not about. Yeah, of course, we all want to be successful and make money. So absolutely. And I was a banker for a reason. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's really about building that community of entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs, including men that can yes. support each other. And we've definitely met some uh, really incredible entrepreneurs uh, since doing this show. So I'm so happy to happy have you here. How can everyone find and follow you? Sure. So you can follow us at Be a Luminary, and our website is luminary-nyc.com. And 
feel free to come in. Let us know that you heard the podcast and we'd be happy to give you a free day pass and give you a tour. Definitely check it out. This is something you definitely want to see and experience. Well, thank you so much for joining me and thank you everyone for listening. And I'm Courtney and this is the best business meeting we've ever had. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. 